Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And the Supreme Court has ruled that it's unconstitutional to restrict New Yorkers from having a concealed carry pistol or other firearm. This is huge breaking news from the Supreme Court. Decision's been waited for, uh, awaited for months, and it's finally here. But in other breaking news, you got the Fed searching the home of former Trump DOJ official from the uh, Department of Justice as Biden is now cracking down on his political opponents. That's nothing new there. The Senate continues to push forward with a path to finalize the passage of their gun control bill, where 14 rhinos are turning their back, in my opinion, on the Second Amendment. This is probably a, a not a good deal because of the red flag laws, but we'll keep our finger on the pulse there and get to that later. Uh, plus, Republicans that are investigating January 6th uh, committee's failures continue to say that Nancy Pelosi was responsible for the security breakdown at the attack. So that's what's going on with that. Plus, the Biden administration has banned Juul cigarettes, the e-cigarettes, uh, the vapor cigarettes. So I'm going to give you a little bit on that. Plus, uh, Myla, Myra, take two. Myra Flores was sworn in, new congresswoman from Texas. We're going to get to that uh, towards the uh, end of the show. I have a clip of that that I want to play for you. Very inspirational. And I want to jump right into the Supreme Court stuff because they cited New York's proper cause law. They're saying that this is what's infringing or preventing the free exercise of the Constitution's Second Amendment. Justice Thomas is the court's only black member and longest-serving justice, wrote the opinion. And I have a clip of him talking about what goes into writing an opinion. Listen to this. Well, as to choosing whether or not to write a dissent or a concurrence, um, on, I assess whether or not it will annoy my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't do that. I just... <laughs> Some do annoy them, but um, <laughs> I don't do that. I, I think it's an individual thing. I don't write dissents or separately just to be writing them. Uh, I don't believe in that. I don't like that attitude where that me, 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 everybody look at me attitude. Uh, I write them when I have something to say that I think uh, must be said. The, the only regrets I've ever had in that area early on is that there were a few cases I should have written in that if I had it to do over, which I won't go into, but I've never regretted having written. Um, as far as the showing a splintering of the court by the number, the five fours or the six threes, I, that's not, 
These are tough issues now. These are the countries divided. We take cases uh, on, on some of these things. We take cases because there are splits among the circuits. There's a disagreement in many instances. And suddenly, we're not going to turn water to wine by taking the case, <laughs> and suddenly all is well in Gotham. That's not the way it works. <laughs> the, we simply sit and try to work it out. And it reflects the different approaches to law that the members of the court have. And that is Justice Thomas speaking at the 2009 Pepperdine University William French Smith Lecture. You know who didn't have such good humor about this? It was Governor Kathy Hochul. Almost immediately after the ruling, Kathy Hochul weighed in and she wasn't happy. Listen to this. And I'm sorry this dark day has come. They were supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788, when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered with it, but I guess we're just going to have to disagree. All right, we're just going to have to disagree. That's Kathy Hochul. So here are the facts of what's going on. The Supreme Court ruled on Thursday that a longstanding New York concealed carry law violated the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. This ruling, the ruling, excuse me, was quickly rebuked by Hochul and fellow Democrats. And I'm going to get into a list that uh, Becker News put together of 19 biggest meltdowns over the Supreme Court. But I want to give you the nuts and bolts of the decision. Justice Clarence Thomas authored the opinion, like I told you, in a 6-3 ruling that reversed the lower court decision upholding New York's 108-year-old law that limited who can obtain a license to carry a concealed handgun in public. The court heard arguments over the case New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin in November. At that time, justices in the 6-3 Republican-appointed majority appeared skeptical of the law's requirement to demonstrate what they call, quote-unquote, a proper cause for obtaining a license to carry a concealed pistol or revolver. The constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right or subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights, is what Clarence Thomas wrote. Justice Thomas added, there is no other constitutional right that requires an individual to demonstrate some sort of special need to government officers in order to obtain a concealed carry permit, qualifying that with a, a reference to the First Amendment. That is how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of religion. It's not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witness against him. And it's not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to a public carry for self-defense. A pair of plaintiffs who challenged the law, Robert Nash and Brandon Koch, filed their lawsuits after the Empire State rejected their concealed carry applications for insufficiently demonstrating a special need for a permit, despite having already passed the required background checks for gun licenses and for hunting and target practice. Okay, and that's the Washington Examiner. Uh, and there's more on that. I'll tweet this out so you could read it by Kaylin Deese. Here's the thing. And in New Jersey, they have a similar law. I, I don't know how it is in your state, but it's fascinating that you have to prove, let's just say I wanted to have a concealed carry permit in New Jersey. They would force me to prove every single year 
that there's an active threat against my life. And if I didn't have active death threats, they wouldn't let me carry that. Or, I mean, if you're transporting money from, uh, from your business or, you know, there's, a, there's a, a small criteria or group of criteria that allows the whole thing. But fascinating to me that you have to prove that you're going to be killed in order to exercise your constitutional right, which is, again, a right. Right. It's not a privilege. It's not something you get if you behave. It's not gold star. If you did the right thing, it's a right an inalienable right, meaning a God given right. So it's always there. It's not given by the government. They can put some reasonable restrictions, but the court deemed that this was not reasonable with the majority of them. Six out of the nine saying this was unconstitutional. Now, of course, this uh, wasn't the only reaction, the one from Kathy Hochul, where they were freaking out. There's a lot of people freaking out. Joe Biden. He uh, he weighed in with a long statement, but basically starting with I'm deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling in this case. And he goes on and maybe I'll tweet that out, too, if you want to read it. But it's like three pages long and it's, you know, more of the same, in my opinion. But here are those 19 media meltdowns over the Supreme Court ruling that I want to share with you. And this is funny stuff, again, according to BeckerNews.com. Keith Oberman, you remember him from TV. He says, it's become necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court of the United States. The first step is for a state the court has now forced guns upon to ignore this ruling. So he's telling them to become a sanctuary state where they just basically don't abide by the court's ruling. Great. You're a court. Why and how do you think you can enforce your rulings? How about that? Then there's Neil Katyal. He was the uh, Solicitor General, I think to Obama, if I'm not mistaken. And he says, going to be very weird if Supreme Court ends a constitutional right to obtain an abortion next week, saying it should be left to the states to decide right after it just imposed a constitutional right to concealed carry of firearms, saying that it cannot be left to the states to decide. That's Neil Katyal. And uh, I think he's wrong, by the way. Pierce Morgan weighs in. He says, breaking America's response to its recent mass shootings is to make it even easier for Americans to use guns. The Second Amendment is now being interpreted as a right to bear arms as part of an unregulated civilian militia. Now, leave it to Piers Morgan, who's not an American. He's he's a Brit. But leave it to Piers Morgan to say something as dumb as that, who clearly doesn't understand that the well-regulated militia was we the people. But I digress. Let us continue. Marianne Williamson, I think she ran for president a couple of years ago. She says people will die because of this. And to be very clear, they're not doing this to protect the Second Amendment. They're doing it to protect the primacy of property rights. That's why so many millions of dollars were spent getting them onto the court to begin with. Well, again, we should protect private property rights because that's literally what makes us different from every socialist communist country on the planet. I don't know what this Williamson is thinking. I'm glad she didn't move too far because I remember her getting a little steam in the debates. Good thing that didn't work out. All right, David Weissman. I don't even know who David Weissman is. I'm guessing he's a radical lefty. His opinion here, the SCOTUS is a disgrace because God forbid we ask for proper cause requirements to own weapons. Now, that's not even what the case was. It was proper cause to carry it publicly. He doesn't even understand the case. But anyway, he continues. He says the Second Amendment should be amended. I am sick of this BS. David Rothschild, he says theory that Second Amendment guarantees the right of anyone without any training, license, or cause 
should be able to carry a concealed firearm into a crowded bar in New York City is absurd. Well, sir, you know what to do. The door is there. Now we go to Tom Watson. Again, another one. I don't really know who this guy is. New York will now pass a wider will now pass wider restrictions on guns, which will then take years to wind their way back through the courts, rinse and repeat. <laughs> Batter the Republicans with it politically. That's how you resist the illegitimate SCOTUS. So now the Supreme Court is now illegitimate. And of course, Kathy Hochul saying it's outrageous that at a moment of national reckoning on gun violence, the Supreme Court has recklessly struck down a New York law that limits those who can carry concealed weapons. Now, I think to myself, had this been the law of the land, would we even have the crime problems that we have in New York right now? Would people be running around doing these reckless things, robbing people the way they do? You know, lately I've been filling in for uh, Jim Bohannon, who's out on leave from his program at night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., and it's a, it's a fun show to do because I get to speak with people from all over the country. And we had a conversation about crime yesterday. And one of the things that I talked about was this case from uh, back in October where uh, a gentleman goes into a Dollar Tree or a Donner General to rob the place. And the clerk was armed and shoots him. And his siblings did a TV interview. And on the TV interview, his sister says, who in their right mind brings a gun to work? What is wrong with this? Totally losing sight of the fact that her brother went there to rob the place. And she's upset that he's dead, and I understand that. I can appreciate, you know, people grieving a death. But if you went there to rob them, an armed robbery, and you're the armed robber and you get shot, now you know. Now, I'm guessing that these two siblings are probably not going to go rob the Dollar Tree or Dollar General. Why? Because it took the life of their brother when he made that mistake. This is why I always say an armed society is a polite society. Anyway, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of that because there's more to come straight ahead. I want to talk about what's going on with parents. Are parents going to be the new swing voters in the upcoming election? Well, wait till you hear what's going on in somebody's classrooms. Like the infomercials say, but wait, there's more. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. 
He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, if you're listening on 1210 WPHT, big shout out to everybody in Philly. And I want to get into this story I see in PJ Media. And I think this is a real hot button issue because the headline is important. Check this out. Parents with school age kids could be the new swing voters. I think this is totally true. It's totally spot on because parents with school age kids are the ones facing so much of the woke revolution from the woke industrial complex. There's such a concerted effort to change the minds of young people. And nobody's facing that more than parents are. So I'm looking at a piece here by Rick Moran, PJ Media. As we've uh, seen in elections over the last year, education issues have become these hot-button concerns for parents. We saw it in Virginia, and we're seeing it elsewhere. And Glenn Youngkin Youngkin won, by the way. But it's happening nationwide, and there's polls that indicate that parents are becoming single-issue voters that are going to vote across party lines. This is interesting now. Look at this from Politico. New polling released today by a national charter school booster says that education is now a more important political issue to parents and guardians of school-aged children than it was in the past. In all, 83% of voting parents said education is more important to them. The trend was especially apparent amongst black parents and the parents of children with special needs. According to the national survey of roughly 5,000 parents conducted between May 19th and May 31st, and this was conducted by the Harris Poll on behalf of the National Alliance of Public Charter Schools. So you can bet that getting an earful of what's going on with the schools and with the teachers teaching kids about race and sexual identity has led parents to take nearly unprecedented interest in the curricula that was being used. And with that, I have a clip of a parent at a school board meeting sounding off. This is a mom at a school board meeting for Barrington 220, which is a nationally recognized pre-K through 12 school just outside of Chicago. Sixth grade English teacher sends out a summer reading material, including gender queer. Okay, hopefully everybody can see this, yeah? 11, 12 years old. Hopefully you like this, yeah? You guys over there, because you guys make the, the decisions over there. Okay, 11 year old. All right. Now, from this book, brother talking to sister. So you never tasted yourself? Sister shows brother vagina slime. Then there's words, blowjob, gay shit. This is exactly what I would expect a pedophile to behave when approaching a child, to normalize sexual behavior, to abuse them. And this is how I see you. Stop sexualizing our kids. Stop abusing them. And this isn't just happening in public schools and with little kids, even though that's where it seems to be most pervasive. But it's been going on in colleges forever. It's even happening in medical schools. Now you think, look, these are grown people. They're trying to become doctors. What's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. When we don't have science, when we don't follow the science, like Dr. Fauci, the Fauchster says, yeah, you got to follow the science. When you can't follow the science anymore, now we have a problem. Listen to some of this crazy. Check this out from a medical student. Can we please stop saying pregnant women? 
So I'm a third year medical student and all throughout medical school, I've had a ton of lectures associate pregnancy only with women and people who use she, her pronouns. And I'm just here to keep it short and sweet to say not all pregnant patients identify as women or with she, her pronouns. Okay, thank you. But they should identify as people with uteruses, right? Or or people that are impregnated. I mean, the, the direction that we're going in this genderless society where everything has to be of color and nothing can be white. And again, I, I'm not making a defense of white people. I'm just pointing out the obvious that there seems to be an attack on one race in our population. And when there was an attack on blacks back in the 50s and prior to that, that was a problem. So why isn't it a problem if the shoe's on the other foot? Can't we just call a spade a spade and say, look, it's wrong no matter who's doing it. We can't keep exempting people saying, you know, well, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, if you're black, if you're this, if you've somewhat ever been marginalized, then you get to be a racist. You get to be the person that exerts power over the other because you've historically been marginalized. This is like saying, well, you know what? You come from a history of being abused, so you're going to get to kill people now, or you're going to get to abuse people. You get to knock them over the head with a baseball bat because, you know, well, you've taken a few beatings in life. That's not how it works. We do right because it's right. We don't justify what's wrong to meet our individual needs. That's insanity. Now, what's equally insane to me is that we've got teachers that advocate for this in the name of wokeness and diversity and equity and inclusion and all this other crazy uh, liberal stuff. But there's other people that are really malicious about it, people that are sick, that struggle with demons, that were they like children, and they use these materials to groom children. I'm not making it up. Listen to this report coming out of Hawaii. Teacher has been arrested for sharing child pornography. Federal prosecutors say Alden Bunog sent illicit pictures and video to another teacher on the mainland and admitted to sex with a 13-year-old student. Manolo Morales reports. Alden Bunag made his first court appearance on Thursday at the federal courthouse and remains in custody until his next hearing. Court records say he admitted to investigators that he recorded his sexual encounters with a 13-year-old boy who was a former student and sent the videos to others through a messenger app. According to federal court documents, Bunag had been sending child pornography to a teacher in Philadelphia. That teacher was arrested in October. Documents say Bunag and the mainland teacher exchanged over 3,300 messages to include hundreds of images and video files. And that Bunag claimed to have sex with the boy at the school during lunch breaks. He also described the boy as a former student and knew that he was a minor at the time. Records say he also admitted to distributing the video recording of his sexual contact and admitted to distributing child pornography involving other minor victims. So there you have it. The teacher in Philly was watching the video of the teacher in Hawaii raping the boy. This is an actual thing. Look, and I get it. And these are people that are around us, people that we may have worked with, people that we may know in our walk of life. And maybe there's a way they can seek redemption. Maybe they can turn towards the church, turn towards Jesus. But as long as they're on the loose and they're out there promoting this stuff to our children, we have to put a stop to this. There's, it's one thing to, to forgive and forget, and it's a whole other thing to make sure that you protect your children. We can't turn a blind eye to people that are trying to hurt our children. That is a non-starter. It's a non-negotiable. And yet it seems that they're being defended. You look at these Supreme Court um, 
hearings for Katanji Brown Jackson and others lately that they just refuse to say that they're going to give the harshest punishment to child abusers. This is wrong. This is kind of really uh, perverted, sick and sadistic. And we have to figure out exactly why they're doing that. There's a lot of speculation and I won't get into that today. But one thing we do know is that the bottom line here is that it's wrong and we've got to take a stand on this. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about what's going on at the border, what's going on with the economy. Later on, that clip of audio from the Congress's newest member, Myra Flores, and what's going on with this poll that says DeSantis and Trump are tied neck and neck. What's good with that? Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. You're a liberty-loving Latino amigo right here on 1210 WPHT, Philadelphia. And uh, I just saw a horrible story about a teenager that was hit by a crazed naked man. He was arrested in West Philly. We're going to keep our eye on that story. But we're going to shift to the economy. The economy's been uh, on everybody's mind. Everybody's going to fill up. Nobody knows how much they're going to pay, how much more gas is going to cost. And there's a few clips that I want to play because obviously President Biden on Wednesday announced a gas tax holiday saying, you know what, we're not going to pay 18 cents a gallon for the next several months in the federal gas tax. And I've got some audio from him. I've got some audio from a hearing yesterday where Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, was um, in the hot seat with Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, who asked some brilliant questions. And I want to get to him before we get to Biden, because this clip is so revealing in that he asks him, is this how we can solve inflation? And he says, yes. Listen to this. Inflation is uh, is just an imbalance of supply and demand. Can we agree on that? Yes, generally. And uh, to, to put a little finer point on it, uh, our inflation at this time, and this is the case with respect to most cases of inflation, demand is greater in, than supply, so prices go up. In some parts of the economy, yes. Right. Now, you're trying to lower... So, so we've got a situation where demand's up here, supply's down here. You're trying to lower demand. Is that correct? Yes, while also giving the supply side time to recover. There's, there's some ground to be covered on that side. Yes, but you're, 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 you've talked about your role, scope, and mission, and your job is monetary. You're trying to lower demand. Well, I'm trying to lower, well, I would say lower demand growth. We don't know that it has to, that demand has to actually go down, which would be a recession. Well, well, seventy percent of our economy is is uh, is uh, driven by consumer demand, and you're trying to lower demand to and slow the economy down. Am I correct? Slowing. I'm, I, I guess I just say we're slowing down growth. We right. If, if, That's what the economy is. The growth. growth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. There's another way. The two aren't exclusive. You alluded to that. You can also lower demand, but you can increase supply. Can you not? Yes. And that would solve inflation. Yes, it would. Aha. Uh-huh. So, yes, it would. That's how you lower inflation. 
But Joe Biden says, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not how it goes. That's an unfair assessment. That's totally uh, malarkey. I got hairy legs. Listen to good old Joe. So for all those Republicans in Congress criticizing me today for high gas prices in America, are you now saying we were wrong to support Ukraine? Are you saying we were wrong to stand up to Putin? Are you saying that we would rather have lower gas prices in America and Putin's iron fist in Europe? (laughs) Okay, so he totally obfuscates and he makes the case that it's Republicans that are blaming him for doing the wrong thing. And this is all Putin's fault. He's doubling down on Putin. And he's not the only one. He's got his people out there. The new and improved version of Jen Circleback Pasaki, you know her as Karine Jean-Pierre. She's also saying the same exact thing. And this is uh, fascinating because now she's got a cheerleader, Joy Behar from The View. Listen to this one. With the president's handling of inflation and the economy hits hitting lows in recent polls, how do you make the case to voters that his economic policies are working, that it's not his fault, that inflation is a worldwide problem, that the gas prices are not Joe Biden's fault? How do you do that? Well, you just said it, Joy, which is what we're seeing with gas prices, what we're seeing with inflation, uh, even the cost of food going up. It is a global challenge. And a lot of that is connected uh, to Russia's war. And if we think about it, let's step back for a second. When the president walked into uh, the White House over a year ago, the economy was tanking. Uh, Schools were closed. uh, uh, Small businesses were shutting down. We were in a very dire situation. We were in a dire situation. I will take any day under El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. I would take any day under his administration compared to what's going on right now. And that includes those days of the pandemic because that stuff was finite. It eventually came to an end. But this right here seems like we're just slowly but surely inching and walking along the road to surf them. I don't think it ends well. If Biden doesn't abandon ship, change course, correct the ship, he has to do something. And what he is doing is hosting people at the White House, but not showing up to greet them. He's got oil executives coming in to figure out how they're going to fix this problem that you just heard Senator Kennedy talking about. And you just heard Fed uh, Reserve Chairman Powell say that if Supply is increased, meaning we produce more oil, we fix inflation. And guess who's not showing up to that meeting? That's Joe El Baboso Biden. That's right, Joe Baboso Biden is not showing up to the meeting because, I don't know, maybe he's too busy trying to figure out how to stick it to him with January 6th, which nobody seems to care about, and I got a clip on that too. But I find it so interesting here that this is what the focus is. Now, I understand, um, to be fair, to be um, level-headed, I worked in government once and there was a Christmas party that the governor would attend and VIPs were invited to and they would do that like four nights a week for a whole week, you know, different constituencies. And then there were these open house Christmas parties where you're invited by the governor on letterhead. Hey, I'd love for you to come check out the governor's mansion. But the governor and the first lady are not there and it's members of the staff. And, you know, so some are for important people. And the one that he's at is for very important people. And that was a a way that they did things back then. And so looking at that, I could say maybe Biden is saying, look, we want to show that the White House is serious and interested. So we're going to allow them to have the meeting at the White House to show them we've got skin in the game. But I'm not going to press the flesh with them yet and show face and give him uh, his pearly whites, his Pepsi and smile because he wants to save that for some leverage later. Thinking if I give them FaceTime, 
you know, they're going to ask for favors and we can get things done. Let's see how much we can get done without them. I think that might be it. And if it is, that's, you know, probably his strategy to leverage himself. I don't know if he's thinking that far, but that's my assessment here. So I think he probably should do a little pop in like, hey, guys, I'm on the phone with Vlad. I got to talk to Putin. Can't stay. Give a wave through a half open door and then sneak back out. Something like that. I don't know. But we'll see what happens. I mean, the main thing that he should do is just allow the leased land, the federal land, the leases that they have, allow oil production and drilling for oil in Anwar and other places so that we can ramp up production. Clearly, that's the answer. And it's clearly not what he's doing. But the DOJ, they're still going after Trump people. Look at this one. This is a very interesting story here. Feds searched a home of former Trump DOJ official Jeffrey Clark according to sources within the DOJ who are leaking the information to Fox News. An official within the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. confirmed to Fox News that there was law enforcement activity in the area of his home on Wednesday, but they couldn't say anything else. And of course, they were speaking on condition of anonymity, which means they're leaking the information. They're saying that Clark was doing the wrong thing. He was getting buddy-buddy with, uh, with Trump while he was in office, met directly with the White House regarding election conspiracies, according to them rather than going through the proper channels. And even uh, the Trump-appointed Attorney General Jeff Rosen told the Senate Judiciary Committee last year, it's even more evident in hindsight, but at the time, I did think he's meeting with the president now and he wants to be briefed by the DNI on thermostats. Just what is going on here with Jeff Clark? End quote. And that, again, is Attorney General Jeff Rosen uh, from the Trump administration. So we'll keep you posted on this story. I would say he's probably the next one that the January 6th committee is going to go after, maybe because they need more. They need to, you know, throw a little fuel in the fire. Maybe that's why they took their break. They said, let's lock up a few more people because the Navarro thing we thought was going to be a home run. Damn, that didn't work. We would keep trying to lock somebody up and it isn't working. And you know why? It's because they don't even care themselves. Listen to Chuck Todd having a conversation with Betsy Woodruff Swan, who's a, a reporter who had a conversation with Democrats, and here's what they said. Brings me to the all-important question, Betsy, does the January 6th hearing break through at all? Is this more proof it does not? I don't think it does. I've talked to two separate Democratic members of Congress in the last couple of weeks about January 6th. Obviously, can't say who. And and both of them have said offhandedly, nobody gives a bleep about January 6th. Nobody gives a bleep about January 6th. But I think people still give a crap about what's going on at the southern border because that hasn't been fixed. It's still a major problem. We still have the narco-terrorist cartels shoveling and funneling their poison straight into America with young people being poisoned and it being labeled as an overdose, kids that were never junkies dropping dead of overdoses the first time they try this or getting a counterfeit pill. I mean, these are really bad things that are going on. So we're going to get a report from the border, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Big shout out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT. And I want to get into the border because uh, 
it's been forgotten, even though it made some big headlines because there was a big congressional election down there, and we're going to get into that. But I want to get into the nuts and bolts of what's going on because I uh, flipping through my social media and I saw a report that I said, you know what, I got to share this report with you because this reporter is embedded on the ground. Independent reporter Savannah Hernandez, she's down at the border. Listen to this. This is Savannah Hernandez for night two in Yuma, Arizona. Now, last night we were near the Cocopa Reservation. Tonight we're near the Gap. Now, I just want to show you guys a little bit over here what that looks like. You have the entire border wall, and then you have this huge opening over here. So immediately upon coming over, we stumbled upon a group of about 20 illegal immigrants. What I immediately noticed in this group is that there's a large uh, number of children in this group. Another thing that was interesting is, of course, whenever I see these apprehensions, I will immediately start filming just to show you guys what's happening on the ground. Uh, one of the men in the group was not happy that we were filming, saying, hey, no, 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 don't film me covering his face. I don't know why that might be, but I thought that it was an interesting thing that I didn't see happening yesterday. So yesterday was Cocoa Pot. Today, it's the Gap in Arizona, another hot spot for these historic and record number of illegal border crossings. All right, that's Savannah Hernandez. She's in the uh, Yuma sector in Arizona at the border. But in Texas and all along the southern border, there's a lot of drama in a lot of places. And today, Senator Marco Rubio released a statement based on a report that he's conducted with Senator Risch. Very interesting stuff. The um, comments that he made right here, I'll give you a quote. For the first time in modern American history, our southern border is no longer controlled by the U.S. government. It's controlled by the cartels. That's a quote from Rubio. He went on, he said, the Biden administration's woke priorities and strategy of appeasement are encouraging mass migration and emboldening dictators in the region. This is a national security threat and it must be immediately addressed. Now, he's not kidding. Uh, earlier in the week, I told you I'm filling in for the uh, Jim Bohannon show. Uh, it's a nationwide show, really fun show to do because you get so many perspectives and it's a guest driven show. It's actually the old Larry King show. So there's a lot of uh, interviewing that goes on. And one of the folks I interviewed was Derek Malt. He's a former director of special operations for the DEA. And he was explaining that the narco terrorists in the cartels are creating counterfeit pills and peddling them through social media. You could buy them on Snapchat. So kids that are thinking they're buying an Adderall to study uh, in college or whatever it is, even if it's through this black market Instagram uh, channel, they are putting themselves at risk and kids are dropping dead. Teenagers are dying from this first time trying it, first time they went to this instead of, you know, they ran out of the prescription, whatever it was. So, I mean, this is, if you know people, let them know that don't buy Adderall or Xanax or Oxy or any of these things because these are all the pills they're counterfeiting and people are dropping dead. But Rubio has this report and he's 100% right in my opinion because John Barrasso from Wyoming, Rob Portman of Ohio, Ted Cruz of Texas, these guys all signed on to this report, and here's what the report found, three big points. President Joe Biden has received no criticism for reversing important Trump-era reforms that effectively addressed illegal immigration, and he basically reinstated failed Obama policies. Secondly, transnational criminal organizations, or TCOs, benefit from and prolong the illegal migration crisis by facilitating and profiting off of the smuggling and trafficking of migrants. Now, this comes after news of a five-year-old boy that was found dead because I guess they used him to say that that's their kid and we're coming in and we're going to America, just give us the paperwork, and then they left the kid for dead on the side of the road and he was found dead. I mean, this is horrible. Any parent, this is gripping news. 
the governments of Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras are falling short on their own domestic and international obligations to address transnational organized crime and illegal migration issues, putting U.S. security at risk. Now, I'm going to add to that, not in their report, but my own editorializing, that Colombia just saw the election of Petro, and Petro has ties to FARC, left-wing group. So this is uh, there's a shift going on, and it doesn't seem like one that we're winning. The, the, the bad guys are winning if we don't do what we've got to do. And most of this stuff is a knowledge is power situation. We have to elect the right people. We have to let people know what's going on so that we uh, don't mess things up. Speaking of electing people, one of the people that was recently elected from the Rio Grande Valley, from South Texas, is Myra Flores. Congratulations to her. I invited her on the, the radio show, but she was too busy. She was kind enough to get back to me and say she was too busy doing all these big interviews and um, didn't have time for us. So maybe one day we'll catch up with her. But I do have a clip of her giving her speech that she gave as she was sworn in, both on the steps of the Capitol and in the halls of Congress. Listen to this. We want to be heard, and we are tired of being taken for granted and treated by second-class citizens. I was born in Burgos, Tamaulipas, Mexico. Arriba Burgos. Raised with strong values to always put God and family first. My father, Saul Flores, moved us to the United States because of the promise of America. He told me, in this country, if you work hard, you can accomplish anything. My story proves he is right. But right now, our people are struggling. They're taken for granted. That ends now. I am here. I have risen from working in the cotton fields to representing the community I love in the United States Congress. And I will give them the voice they need. I will use it to say, our lives are not a game. Our people deserve to have an opportunity security, and freedom. I will work every day to give it to them. I am a proud Border Patrol wife and a mother fighting for a better future for our children. I want to inspire every child that today is working in the fields, strawberry, onions, cotton fields, and you name it. I want you to know that you can become a congressman, a congresswoman, if you work hard. All right, that's Congresswoman Myra Flores from the 34th District of Texas, Southern Texas, right on the border there. Congratulations to her. It's a testament of the American dream. She was sworn in as an American as a kid. She is an American married to a Border Patrol officer. She believes in America. She's fought for the values of God and family and country in her campaign. And here she is. And I think it's a remarkable testament to what we can do if we try. We can make a difference because we have to stand for something. If we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you and like Myra Flores and anybody else who knows what they need to do, but is just a little bit gun shy to do it. You got to do it. If you do nothing, the bad guys win. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. 
This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.